Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the new moon in the third decan of Scorpio. I hope that you're doing well out there this Friday afternoon, that you are surviving the uh, Mercury-Saturn square today and the upcoming Mars-Uranus opposition. Um, we're going to go through some of the major themes associated with the third 10 degree section of Scorpio. We're going to talk a little bit about the tarot. We're going to do some I Ching. We're going to look at an animal. We're going to take the lunation through the houses of your rising sign today and um, answer all your questions and chat and just uh, hang out for a little bit. So I hope that you're doing well out there. Please let me know that you're here and that you're where you're stopping in from in the chat if you are with us here today. It's always nice to, to see your beautiful little avatar faces there and um, see how you're all doing. Uh, Rachel is here from Roanoke, Virginia. This is fun share. Last weekend, my girlfriend took us on a date to a class where we painted in watercolor in the major arcana of the Ryder Smith deck. Ooh, that's cool. It was awesome. Nice. That's cool, Rachel. I like to hear that. That's fun. Um, yeah, beautiful images from Pamela Coleman Smith and being inspired by that, that artwork is, is very cool. Very cool. Uh, Tracy is here. This is Tracy. Hi from West Sussex, UK. Nice to see you, Tracy. Hoping you and Tanya have recovered well this week. Yeah, Tracy, we're hanging in there. We, if, uh, for those of you who weren't hip to what's been going on in Spencer and Tanya land, we were in a kind of a, uh, pretty severe car accident. Um, I can't even remember when it was a week ago. <laughs> like, what is time? And um, we're okay. We got uh, rear-ended pretty bad um, at a stoplight. And I uh, guess the update with that is that my car is completely totaled and uh, dealing with the fallout from all of that. So I'll try to figure out how to incorporate that into our, um, <laughs> our symbolism today with letting go of old forms. I have some thoughts on that. So that's what's going on over there. But Tanya and I are doing okay physically. Like uh, we're recovering emotionally and uh, physically everything's okay though. And, um, you know, sometimes the wheel of fortune spins and you're on the top and sometimes you, things change and you're on the bottom, but this too shall pass. But I appreciate the well wishings, Tracy. Devin Malone is here joining from my butcher block in Portland, Oregon. Nice to see you, Devin. Hope that you're doing well out there, my friend, uh, hope that you're cooking up something delicious. Monique is here. What's up, homie? Hi, everyone from Los Angeles, California. Nice to see you, Monique. Says, I like going, I like you going live in an hour earlier than normal, by the way. Yeah, I, I'm changing, um, changing the time a little bit. I tend to do this in the early afternoon, but I often will look at which planetary hour looks most fortuitous based on the astrology. I tend to avoid Mars and Saturn hours, and um, in this case, uh, I'm avoiding the Mercury hour, which is in Sagittarius and in its exile. So I'm trying to start this during the solar hour today. So a little adjustment here and there, but uh, yeah, now that the time changes happen too, maybe 1 p.m. might be the the way to go from going forward. It's it's literally the same time. It just is. <laughs> we're just calling it something different. Uh, Don Fisher is here from Mobile, Alabama. Nice to see you, Don. Hope you're doing well over there, my friend. Fion, Fion is here. Nice to see you. I haven't seen you in a while, Fion. Hello from Ireland. I'm glad that you're stopping in, my friend. Hope that everything's going well with you and your podcast and your comedy and all of those nice things that you're doing over there on the other side of the pond. 
Uh, Isabel Register, hello from Colorado. Nice to see you, Isabel. Uh, uh, this is sort of a new name that I don't see too much around. Now, if, if you're new here, welcome. And uh, thanks for, for letting me know that you're stopping in and hope everything's going well over there in the, uh, the Rocky Mountain State. Um, yeah, Don, we're, we're doing okay. We're, we're hanging in there, trying to figure out the, you know, whenever you have a big change like that, there's a lot of things that you have to think about if you, if you experience a misfortune and, um, you know, like this is, this is life. Like I said, there's ups and downs and you have to kind of roll with the, the punches and go with the, uh, go with the current and the streams of your life. Big Steph 63 says French West Coast checking in. Happy Friday all. Nice to see you, Big Steph. Hope you're doing well. Okay, friends. Yeah, and if you're just joining us, please drop me a comment in the in the chat box. Please do me a huge favor. Please like this video. That's it's the easiest thing you can do to support the channel and get get our our the word out to everyone on digital land. Um, subscribe to the channel if you're new and you're just stopping in and subscribe to the newsletters. I have a newsletter, Spencer Michelle Astrology, where you can get information on when I'm going live and uh, what classes I'm offering and discounts, etc. Uh, new readings, all of those things. And my partner, Tanya Andrews, has a beautiful, magically inspired business called Third Coast Mojo. And she also has a newsletter, so you can support her. Uh, she has some wonderful Venus and Libra offerings during this Venus and Libra season, which is exciting. Glad Venus is back into Libra. And um, she's cooking up some good stuff over there. So if you want to get the uh, first, first glance at when new things are going to be popping, sign up for her newsletter as well. She has an Etsy account and does some really great work. And um, she deserves your support and, and love and attention as well. Uh, okay. All right, friends, let's kind of take a look here. I'm going to take a, let's see. Let me get everything organized. All of my windows on my tiny little screen. Steven stopping in says, happy Friday, Venus Day. Yes, absolutely. Nice to see you, Steven. Um, let's see. So what I'm going to do is I am going to bring up the screen for, uh, for the new moon and we'll talk about it we'll see uh see what's going down this new moon in the third decan of scorpio is going to be uh happening exact on monday november the 13th at 4 27 a.m eastern standard time make the appropriate adjustment for your time zone we're seeing the sun and moon come together at 20 degrees of scorpio uh, very, very close to Mars. So we're, we're preparing ourselves for the Mars Kazemi, which is going to be happening, I believe, on the 18th of November. So a few short days after this new moon, we have a Mars Kazemi, uh, Mars being renewed into the heart of the sun. And we also have some pretty significant aspects to this lunation, especially with Uranus in opposition. So we are dealing with Mars being very close and the aftermath of the Mars-Uranus opposition that we're experiencing probably right now in this moment as I'm, as I'm talking about it. There is a, in Hellenistic astrology, you know, planets were said to be witnessing each other pretty significantly once a planet was, in, was within three degrees of a traditional aspect. And we are experiencing that now with the Mars-Uranus opposition. So just, just be careful, be extra careful today with, with Mars issues. If something comes up that 
is triggering for you as far as like your anger and things like that in a in any situations in your life today it's it's important to kind of take a step back and be objective about the challenges so that you don't destroy uh something that is important to you whether it's a relationship or something else of that nature um because there's there's temptation towards that uh moving into this weekend um so we do have venus very much empowered in this chart although i will say that venus is in aversion to the new moon so it, it's difficult for venus to be able to assist with the the challenges that we're experiencing it's a very very martial new moon uh, we do have saturn in a whole sign trine uh, there is a sextile to pluto and both jupiter and uranus are in opposition now uranus is is much closer to the opposition to the new moon so this is one that could where we could experience some shakeups or we could experience some shocks to the system. They may not always be pleasant, is what I will say, uh, especially with Mars in opposition and the Sun moving in opposition to to Uranus. There could be some some power struggles. There could be some challenges with authority figures when the Sun is involved in an opposition to Uranus, um, where we maybe something is not what it appears to be. The third decan of Scorpio is syncretized with the seven of cups and in the seven of cups we see a figure that is dealing with uh, all sorts of imagined i don't know uh benefits i guess glamour uh honors riches wealth power all of these things and there is a heavy influence of and theme of illusion within this decan We've talked about in the Scorpio Decans about the identification of forms that are no longer vital, the ability to sort of have nostalgia for those in the second Decan, uh, where we are sort of having this kind of um, the pain of return, the memories, uh, where we may be engaging with something temporarily to distill its essence and then finally let go so that we can liberate uh, some a spirit from a body so that it can find a new body to, to, to be vital within. In this third decan, uh, so we go, we go like this in, in the Scorpio decans, we go Mars, Sun, Venus. And so we have the separation or the awareness of a separation that needs to happen. We uh, have a spotlight shining on like sort of the setting sun in the second decan where we T. Susan Chang talks a lot about sepia tone photographs where we are you know having this painful return this memory uh, etc and then finally Venus ruling this decan of Scorpio 3 where we may be glamorizing the past or we may be trying to hang on to an old form that we've been shown is is not maybe good for us anymore or maybe not bringing us happiness vitality etc but there is a little bit of a vampiric tendency with this second um you know in 36 secrets t susan chang talks about vampires and victorian england and all of the things that we do to try to keep something alive that really should have died um you know, vampires are the types of creatures that will can that will that will prey on the living 
to maintain life when they when when maybe the, what they should have done is pass on into death so there is this kind of hanging on where if we continue to hang on to the old form that isn't serving us if we if we refuse to compost the things in our life that we we know aren't good for us we will do more and more evil to be able to 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 lie to ourselves about it and I think that that's important when this second is that we may get a shock to our system that shows us that you know what this isn't this isn't worth it anymore this isn't um, this isn't sustainable this isn't something that that is bringing me happiness or joy or life or vitality and sometimes we just get so wrapped up in doing what we've always done we get attached to these physical forms that we need something to shock us into an awareness to to allow us to let go like so sometimes sometimes something has to become so painful that we just can't help but make a change and and that might be what we're experiencing with this new moon in scorpio on some level um so really my advice here is be honest with yourself about something in your life that is needing transformation, release, uh, compost, uh, releasing a form so that you can liberate that the essence that animated it at one point in your life to be able to move forward with your life. The spirit or daimon associated with this decan is called Kairos. And Kairos was a little uh, cherub-like figure who had a lock of hair on his forehead. Basically, was uh, the, the 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 story goes is that you could only catch Kairos from from the front at the right at the opportune moment, and not even Zeus himself could catch Kairos from behind. So when we are chasing after a moment that has passed, it is a it is a uh, a Sisyphean task. It, it, it's doomed to fail. So how can you identify what moment has passed in your life? Well, one of the things that we're going to do today is we're going to go through and we're going to look at things through the lens of our rising sign, which will give us some ideas about which topics in our lives we may be dealing with this energy and where the shock may come from the opposite end of the spectrum. Okay, So we may get a shock in one area of our life, with Uranus and Taurus that is inspiring us to make a big change in in the opposite area. Like a shock in your career could cause you to make a change in your domestic situation. A shock in your partnership could make you know you make a change personally. A shock in your friend group could change the way that you you express yourself creatively or individually and etc and so on and so forth. So we'll examine that today and see how we can work through it with grace. So I'm going to check in in the chat here. We've got an active chat. Love all the activity that we're seeing here. I know we've got some new friends stopping in. Don says, it's going to be a bumpy ride for a lot of folks. I do believe lots of deep breaths and thinking twice. Absolutely. Uh, Steven says, fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy night. Yes. Sundancer's here. Hello. Hello, friend. How you doing? Hi, Spencer. And all happy Venus Day. Cloudy with a little rain here in the Smokies. Well, I'm glad that you're joining us here today, Sun Dancer. Welcome, my friend. Uh, Jessica Taylor is here. Hello, Jessica. My solar return is the 13th. 
It's also an exact Uranus opposition. Jessica, you and I just went through that um, together. I, I had my exact Uranus opposition in the past few weeks here, and it's it's uh, it's a little doozy, isn't it? Uh, that feels like the definition of the midlife crisis aspect on some level. Uh, Jessica says, seems like a year of big transitions for me. Yep, for sure. Tracy says, interesting. Suddenly, out of the blue, thought about a first love, and then on the BBC News app, there was a news item about first loves and people getting together after X number of years. Yeah, Tracy, that that is, uh, we are still having the sun pass through the, the, the second 10 degree section of Scorpio, which often we'll see people getting back together like in, with an X, but, but not permanently. You get, it's like when you get back together with an X so that you, you understand why it's not going to work. You, you learn something from it. It's also like maybe there's something that you desired in the past. It doesn't have to be a relationship. It could be just like a food or something that you know makes you feel bloaty or something or that, that you can't digest. But every once in a while, you have to eat it because there's, you have a memory of how good it tasted, but you kind of forget how bad it made you feel. I have this problem with like gluten stuff sometimes. I, I, I have a gluten sensitivity. But there, every once in a while, I'll have to like eat some pizza or something and then remember how bad that it made me feel so that I know <laughs> that I probably shouldn't do that moving forward. So th this is kind of the phase that we're in now. Okay. Uh, Dawn says, I think the entire month is going to be bumpy, all this energy hitting at a new moon. It's going to be here for a hot minute. Yeah, definitely bumpy. Well, I'll, I'll, hopefully I'll, I'll be able to give you some insights into how to deal with that energy. The, the, the I Ching and the animal of the, of the lunation are pretty helpful with that, I would say. Uh, I think the main thing that you can do if you, like I said, if you get, if your ire gets raised, yeah, take a time out every once in a while. Um, conflicts can escalate really quickly under this these auspices. You may be tempted to just completely sever uh, from a relationship, from a job, from a place that you live, from an organization. And those things done in haste with in the heat of the moment can be very difficult to backtrack from. So these are the things where we need to kind of take a moment, chill out, assess the situation, and then be able to make a decision that isn't based on the, the, the anger of the moment or the, the energy of the moment. Um, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. I've, I've had situations like this in my life, and uh, this week's been hard for me too. I've, I've, one of the things that I've been thinking about, um, you know, with my vehicle, like here's, here's an example of this. Uh, so I had a, a insurance person out the other day looking at the car to determine whether the insurance company would help us fix it or not, or whether it was a total loss. And the guy looked at the car for like five minutes and was like, nope, total loss, which, which means that you have to negotiate some kind of settlement with the insurance company. And one of the decisions that I'm facing right now is, do I need to buy another vehicle or should we reduce to one car and go about that business? And at the end of the day, if I'm honest, we don't really need two cars and I don't drive very often, but there is a glamorization of the, what a car represents. It represents freedom. It represents autonomy. It represents 
movement and letting go of that requires it, it's difficult sometimes i will also say too uh i associate that vehicle with uh, with my mom. It was actually a gift from my mother who passed last year. I was very, very fortunate that at one point she was in a position to, to help me with a vehicle. And I've had that vehicle for 15 years. So there's also emotions wrapped up with a physical object that make it difficult to let go of. But I've been talking to some clients, friends, students about uh, changing forms and that when, when it comes time to let go of things, the, you know, like the, the spirits on the other side don't really care if you're keeping their stuff or if you're doing something exactly the way that they would have done it. Um, you know, in my experience, they probably just want you to be happy. And if hanging on to something because it reminds you of someone is, can, can get you stuck in old energy. Even if that thing isn't, isn't uh, serving you anymore. And we all struggle with this. This is one of the things where we deal with like, like hoarding, for example. I remember having a little bit of, um, uh, I don't know, a little bit of a television jag where I was watching the show Hoarders. And what I noticed was that that behavior was so wrapped up in grief. A lot of it was just grief. These, a lot of these folks had experienced extreme loss and trauma over the in, in at some point in their life. They had very normal lives at one point, and then something happened, like a, a relative died, and they a lot of stories of of them inheriting a, a a a parent who had passed a lot of their estate, and and then just getting really stuck with it, and then one thing leads to another, and before you know it the physical objects have completely clogged up your life and clogged up your experience to the point where you just, you have no freedom of movement anymore. And this is something that I think that we're really going to have to examine at this new moon. Where in our life have we, are we hanging on to, to something out of, out of nostalgia, out of grief that we aren't able to process? really important to process your grief during this lunation and this lunation cycle and grief can be mixed up in a lot of different emotions grief can be expressed as anger grief can be expressed as despair uh, grief can be expressed as uh, nihilism <laughs> there's sometimes where Sometimes you get so frustrated and fed up you're like what's the point anymore I just don't even, I don't even want to try at this particular thing and it's it's important to kind of feel the actual feelings and to to let the energy of that scorpion scorpionic energy wash over you at catharsis have a good cry release those emotions take a picture of the thing that that brought you joy so that you can return to it if it if you need to at different points while while letting go of the actual thing itself this is something i've learned as a pretty nostalgic cancerian type is Instead of being able to keep the thing itself that, that when I would have trouble getting rid of stuff in my house because I would touch something and I would instantly be transported back to that moment. And some of those moments were nice and I didn't want to lose that. But seeing a photograph of, a, of an object can have the sim a similar effect without it cluttering up your life as much. So these are the types of things that I think we're going to be experiencing uh, throughout this uh, lunation.
So I'm going to look through the chat here again. Uh, Monique says, I've been telling my friends that this is not the time to fuck around and find out. It isn't, Monique. It isn't. Because I'll tell you, people get to their breaking points during the, the, the crisis-laden sign of Scorpio. And when you have something in opposition to Uranus, like a very, very strong Mars, the violence of a Mars-Uranus opposition, it doesn't come from, from nowhere. Oftentimes when we have explosions of anger, conflict, etc., things have been building like a volcano under the ground for a very, very long time. And one thing can set you off into that volcanic eruption, one little straw that breaks the camel's back. So yes, it is important to understand that a lot of this has been simmering underground, has been fermenting. That is an energy of Scorpio too, is fermentation of energy. And so sometimes there's pressure that builds up with that. Like sometimes there's, there's you know, pressure gases that need to be released and like the, the earth can literally belch with, you know, sulfur and stuff like that. So uh, we have to find ways to release the pressure in a healthy way so that we don't manifest an, an accident or, or something that is where, where we snap, right? And I'm, I'm right there with all of you with this. Uh, Don says, this is great to know. Right on, Monique. Um, Devin says, Mars is being melted down and forged into something new and will emerge as a glistening new blade in Capricorn season in its exaltation. Opposite degrees, it will be in December 2024. Opposite the degrees, it will be in December 2024. Yeah, um, that's a good point, Devin. Like, Devin's pointing out the 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 forging of a new martial energy as Mars moves into the, the, the Kazemi of the sun, being renewed in the heart of the sun. And then Mars will emerge from under the beams in Capricorn, I think in early 2024. And then there's some, uh, some other opposition going on in December 2024. I haven't looked completely that far ahead yet, friend, but I know that we will see the, the emergence of Mars from under the beams in early, I believe it's in January when Mars is in Capricorn. So pay attention to what is being forged behind the scenes this weekend, for sure, and this week, moving ahead as we move into the Kazemi. Uh, yeah, Don says, F-A-A-F-O, <laughs> for sure. Uh, Devin says, during its retrograde, in its sign of its fall in Cancer. Oh, ugh. So we're going to have a Mars retrograde in Cancer in December. Well, I don't like that. Um, being a Cancer sun, that sounds gnarly. Uh, well, but here's the thing. We've lived through some of those types of experiences in the past, and uh, we will hopefully get through to the other side again. Carolina Gutierrez is here. says, this eclipse period has been incredibly enlightening. Yeah, Carolina, tell me more about your experience. I'd love to hear what kind of stories have been manifesting in your life. Eclipse periods are always very intense chapter markers and moments of transition, for sure, since they are associated with the nodes of the moon, which are related to changes of fortune and, and fate. Uh, Don says, till that one car breaks down and then you are without, it makes me so scared. You are right, freedom. 
Uh, I know that's been a terrible, it's been terribly hard, Spencer. They don't care, but there is a comfort with the energy reminder. Yeah, Don, like the, yeah, the, the, the car thing is definitely, uh, it's more than just a vehicle, right? It is, it's a symbol of freedom and, and things of that nature. So the story isn't, isn't closed with that in my own life. It's just, uh, if you were interested in hearing some of the manifestations of my eclipse in my angular houses and sort of how the, the Mars Uranus opposition and the Mercury Saturn square has been going for me, it's, you know, wrestling with insurance companies and trying to deal with the challenges of independence versus feeling merged, you know, like uh, during Scorpio season, we often understand how our lives are intertwined with others. And if like, like, let's say you are a two car family that, that goes down to one car, there's, there's, there is challenges that will, or there's understandings of how your lives are, are merged together with another, like with your partner or, or whoever you're sharing something like that with. Uh, you can have an understanding of how your life is merged with a business partner and and asking yourself whether that is healthy or not. And there, there, are, there are all sorts of ways where our lives are dependent on one another. Oftentimes those relationships are fortuitous and fortunate. There are other times where they feel like shackles. And so we, it's, it's takes some time to parse out what that means for each individual and where that could be playing out in your own life. Um, okay. So one thing to a couple other details about the new moon, then the moon is going to move out of bounds after this new moon, um, from the 13th to the 18th. So just shortly after the moon becomes new, the moon moves out of bounds. So we might get a, a seed of realization where we're glamorizing something in the past that we know now is needing to be let go of. We may, it, it may be removed from us, like with, without us needing to do anything with Uranus there on some level. Um, but when the moon moves out of bounds, our emotions can swing fairly wildly. Our bodies can feel kind of taxed. Uh, I would say that whatever is revealed to you over the, the weekend and the beginning of the week, just take your time. Try to center yourself. Try not to, to swing to, to extremes of emotion. If you need to go out and scream it out to the, to the heavens or exercise or something like that or go for a run or break a dish or something i don't know like sometimes but if you have extras you know plateware that you're not attached to just just i guess would find an appropriate place to do that um probably don't want to toss it at somebody right um but yeah like there are ways to do this where you you can you, you don't have to be destructive um to people in your life where you can alleviate some of this pressure um let's see the first aspect that we might see with this lunation as it separates from the bond uh, of being within 15 degrees of the sun, it's, it's dual. We're going to have a conjunction with Mercury at six degrees of Sagittarius. And also it's going to be sextiling Venus at about six degrees of Libra shortly after. So there may be something where we feel very passionate 
about expressing ourselves and our opinion, Mercury in the first 10 degrees of Sagittarius is really about spreading an idea, uh, being very attached to our, our own viewpoint, um, shooting off messages that are, that are deeply, we hold very deep in our core belief system. And we may need to, to have an awareness of something that isn't fair in the first 10 degrees of Libra, but, but we may be working towards bringing them back into equilibrium and equality with the, the 10 degree section of Venus being in that decan, like trying to bring things back together after we, we have this realization uh, potentially. And thank you so much, Michelle, for the super sticker. Uh, that's a great way to support the channel. If you, if you are in position to do so, there's a little dollar sign in the chat where you can contribute. It's called super chat or a super sticker. And I really appreciate all of you who, who take advantage of that each, each week and are, are supportive of the channel. Um, let's see. Monique says, yeah, screaming into the void sounds good about now. Yeah. I, and again, like if, if something triggers you, right. If, if, and then there's so many triggering things right now, there's, there's really difficult, um, things going on in the news, the geopolitical uh, circumstances right now are really, really difficult to process. There's a lot of pain and suffering in the collective. Um, there's a lot of things to be upset about. There's a lot of things to be angry about. And um, it, it is normal to feel like that. And then when we have that collective pain going on, the, the individual pain sometimes can feel more acute when we're trying to deal with all of those challenges. So uh, again, like, I think that in Scorpio season, our, our tendency with Mars here in particular is to defend the dying life force. Like, so there's, there may be something that is important to us and we may get really angry and want to defend the letting go. We may want to resist the letting go. Like, here's an example. Let's, let's say I was, I didn't know astrology and I was, had this car accident and the car insurance company comes back to me and says, well, we'll offer you this much and it isn't, and it isn't enough, right? And, and you may want to lash out and like get really upset about it. I literally had the assessor tell me, um, as he was telling me that my car was pretty totaled, he's like, what I would recommend is when you get on the phone with the the adjuster, be nice, don't lash out. And I was like, oh, that's good advice in Scorpio season. He's like, he's like, you may have a better chance of negotiating a, a positive outcome with them if you're nice and if you are able to be cooperative. And for the most part, that's how I live my life. Sometimes behind the scenes, I'll get really fucking angry, and uh, but I try to take my time to come back to center. Um, and I think that that's, that is great advice at this point in time. We may be tempted to lash out if we feel wronged, especially with Venus here in Libra, where we may have some awareness of some injustices in our life, some things that just aren't fair. And I got news for you, friends. Sometimes life just isn't fair. And I, I, I just like anyone else, get really frustrated with inequality in life. But 
we have what we do have when we witness an inequality atrocity or we feel wronged in a situation we always have a choice about how and who we are going to be within that there is a temptation in scorpio season to stoop to the level of your aggressor and i think that that is something that i guess as a leo rising who tries to i don't know maintain some sense of what i perceive as dignity or royal royalty <laughs> like I, I feel like i'm like ah i'm not going to stoop to that level type of thing um and that might be good advice that might be a nice way to deal with this is if if you are if someone is using underhanded methods uh in your life or isn't doing something fair you always have a choice of whether you are going to respond in kind and add fuel to that fire and actually what I have found is when you do that, you are making your enemy even stronger because it is a it is a cycle of exchange. Austin in his book talks about circuits of exchange, mutual distillation for Scorpio too. So it's like if when you when someone stoops low and you stoop even lower, and then this this cycle of stooping, eventually things get really, really ugly. And that and all that does is bring about more pain for both parties. So I think that this this is my higher self speaking because this is not easy for me. I I I'm as tempted to like stoop just as much as anybody else, especially when I feel like something's not fair. But we always have the opportunity to try to take a step back and and work from our higher selves and maintain our integrity. Even if it doesn't get us exactly what we want right in the moment, long term, it could be more positive moving forward. So let me check in in the chat here. Michelle says, hi, Spencer, I have a question. Cap Rising, as you know, just found out my BFF of 30 years has late stage pancreatic cancer. Is the Uranus-Mars transit in my fifth uh, is this the Uranus Mars transit in my fifth and 11th? Trying to see where this is playing out. Um, well, first of all, Michelle, I'm sorry that that's happening. That's, that's really painful. Um, you know, 11th house can be associated with friendships, uh, with people that we associate, groups that we associate with. Things that bring us joy and pleasure can be associated with the fifth house. Um, I'm just thinking as far as what other, I would also say, Dawn, since you're Capricorn rising, Saturn just stationed direct in your third house, which can be more related to, um, personal friends that we have in our life rather than big groups that are a little bit more, um, more collective. I would say that it, that the, the opposition can be thought of as that fifth and 11th house access on some level but i would also offer for your consideration uh the the mercury saturn square that's manifesting over the third and the twelfth house as being maybe more indicative of finding out a friend has cancer and something that's out of your control something like where where mercury is now moved into the twelfth house and is squaring saturn in the third house suggesting you know being between a rock and a hard place on some level so i hope that is is helpful um yeah it's really tough it's really tough either way regardless of which aspect is describing it 
Yeah, we'll send you good good energy and prayers your way, uh, Michelle, for sure. Um, oh yeah, Monique, Monique is talking about her uncle just passed away from that as well. Pancreatic cancer, is that what we're talking about here? Um, yeah, my grandfather passed away from, I think it was pancreatic cancer. It was pancreatic or prostate cancer. I think it was pancreatic cancer. So been there with all of you. It's not a nice, it is not a nice disease. Um, it's very painful and um, can progress pretty quickly. So uh, I'm sorry, Michelle. Devin says, I would point to Mercury moving into your 12th square Saturn, Mercury delivering the bad news. There you go. Devin and I are on the same page. Sorry, I didn't see that comment, Devin. <laughs> I was done saying the same thing, but you and I are, uh, we, we, our minds work quite alike, Devin. You're, you're a fantastic uh, astrologer, my friend. Um, okay. All right. How are we doing, friends? Scorpio season isn't for the faint of heart. Uh, this is always one where we we have to face difficult truths, and we death is is not an easy part of life. It is something that is the contrast to life, and and hopefully these challenging experiences will help us to eventually see what is good and what is light darkness you need darkness to appreciate the light in your life um, we wouldn't we wouldn't appreciate life if it if it didn't have death as a as a contrast um, but when we're in the moment it isn't easy and it isn't it isn't fun all right so i'm gonna stop my share here so hopefully that is Gives you a pretty clear idea of what we're going through with this um, lunation. I will say that, you know, we are going to see, we'll just take you through a couple more things real quick here. So let's look at the moon, when the moon squares the sun in the next, here is on the outside, you're going to see the first quarter square. When right after the Mercury Kazemi, I'm sorry, Mars Kazemi, at Mars Kazemi happens at 25 Scorpio, and then we're going to have the moon squaring um, the sun at 27 degrees of Aquarius. That is a decan associated with the Seven of Swords, where we're, um, it, it talks about unstable effort, uh, maybe a plan that isn't working out completely, where we may be feeling some frustration with, with our plan. It is a, a decan where we see a figure absconding with five swords and leaving two behind. Um, there's a couple things that are associated with that deck and going off into the unknown, releasing an old position that we had been defending. It's the opposite of the seven of sword or seven of wands that we see in Leo where we're defending our turf. So we may have to come off of a, an entrenched position at the first quarter moon of this lunation phase, potentially to, to move forward and, and utilize our objectivity. And then when we see the, the full moon, okay, that's going to be on the 27th. This is going to be in, in Gemini. Uh, we will be having a square between Mars and Saturn, which is, those are, 
those are the other aspects that are not really super fun in astrology. Mars Uranus ones aren't great. Mars Pluto ones can be challenging. Mars Saturn oppositions and squares are a little bit hairy. Um, so we will have to be dealing with that uh, shortly after Thanksgiving. And that lunation is really about speed and movement with the sun in Sagittarius 1 and feeling bound by our own options and our own thoughts. So we may really be wanting to move forward with something at the full moon, but you can see that there's this giant T-square between the sun, the moon, and Saturn. So our beliefs are maybe leading to overthinking something, and we may be running into harsh realities about how our lives are constructed in the the mycelium of our life. Like I, I'm starting to think about Pisces as a mycelial network, an underground network that that feeds the rest of our life. And a lot of that is through the beliefs that we have both inherited and, and brought with us through different experiences in our life. So Saturn is asking us to get real about our beliefs and, and our dreams. And some dreams we'll have to let go of and some ones we will have to concretize and make real. This is what Saturn encourages us to do when it is moving through a particular area of our life. So there will probably be many, many different things pulling for our attention and we will have to be flexible uh, around the full moon of this particular uh, cycle. Okay, so I'll stop my share here. Uh, just looking through the chat, seeing what all of you are saying. Okay. Alessandra Ferrario is here from Bloomington, Indiana. Nice to see you. Late to the party. No, that's okay, Alessandra. It's okay. We have people stop in and here and there. It's all good. Welcome, my friend. Glad that you're here today. M is here. Hi, Spencer. And always nice to catch you on your YouTube lives here in Argentina. Nice. Uh, says our, our democracy is being threatened. It's really tense and scary environment we are living in. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I believe and practice faith every day, and that makes me feel protected, but it amazes me how these times are showing collectively for how long this chapter will will last. Um, oh, my goodness. Mars conjunct the Ascendant and Cancer, Saturn conjunct Jupiter. Oh, wow. Alessandra, well, I'm glad that you're joining us. I feel honored every time we have more international friends stopping by. I really enjoy hearing about how things are going in other parts of the world. Um, I'm sorry that, that your freedom is being threatened and your democracy is being threatened. I think that this is something that we are seeing in the collective uh, that is not specific just to one place. There has been a rise in authoritarianism in the past, I don't know, few years, decade, etc., I would say that the democracy in America is hanging on by a thread right now also. There are forces that are, that as recently as 2016, threatened our, our own democracy and continue to try to, to abscond with power. There are challenges in the Middle East with different governmental systems trying to assert their will. Uh, there are challenges in Europe right now with similar things happening. Um, I don't have a great answer for you, Alessandra, as far as how long this will last. I think that this is 
a collective experience. Um, I think that I would have to do some more reflecting and research as far as the larger scale uh, transits that might be contributing to this. Uh, I will say this, Alessandra, one thing that's coming, popping into my mind. Um, Aquarius isn't what popular astrology has described it as for the most part. In popular astrology, the sign of Aquarius generally speaks towards like the, the creative genius, like the objective observer, like the humanitarian, peace, love, and the, the age of Aquarius. It can, sometimes that can be the case, maybe in the first decan, which is ruled by Venus. What I will say about Aquarius, and especially is that it is Saturn ruled. And what Saturn does in Aquarius is it, it tries to control the narrative. Um, Saturn likes to cast things into darkness. Saturn enjoys um, the denial of something. So one of the things that we can see with the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction that we've seen in 2020 in Aquarius, and then Pluto moving into Aquarius, is oftentimes, and I've learned this from an astrologer I really like in Australia named Joy Usher. She has a beautiful book called the Tiny, A Tiny Universe. And she talks about Aquarius's desire to limit and control a narrative where they will only provide the information that is um, allowing their own end. Does that, if I, hope, I hope I'm making sense here. It, it's like, like you are like, let's say that we have a fascist government that is only controlling, that is controlling the narrative and only allowing certain amount of information to, to the people. This is a real danger in, in as we move forward into more Aquarius tinged times is is kind of, I don't know, it's like thought control. It's like brainwashing like type of thing. And I think that that is, is something we're seeing a rise of with governments trying to uh, control a narrative and only allow certain information to be, uh, to, to come out to the populace. Um, I also think part of that is Pluto and Capricorn too. Like the Pluto, the Pluto in the final decans of Capricorn, or the final decan, speaks to how we wield material power and authority. So we're seeing the last gasp of Pluto and power struggles in relationship to governments. And Pluto is going to move into Aquarius, where a lot of the struggles are going to be through technology. Uh, we're already seeing challenges with artificial intelligence and all of the things that that could mean moving forward. So we will have to, to deal with fear. Um, oftentimes Pluto talks about collective fear. And right now there's a collective fear of, of how we govern and of people who control wealth um, and the wealth gap widening. And as we move into Pluto and Aquarius, we will have the fear of limited narratives, of, of only being able to have access to, to certain uh, information we will have fear of technology and that controlling our lives and the techn technocratic state or something like that. Those are all challenges that we'll be talking about for the next couple decades. So Alessandra, I hope that you're doing okay. Um, 
I'm looking through the chat here. Let's see. I know that you all are going to have some interesting thoughts about this. Um, thank you for sharing your chart, Alessandra. We'll, uh, we're gonna what we're, we're not gonna be doing individual charts today. I will do that on um, some of the Q and A. So if you want to come back on one of the of the the Q and A's, like the next one will be a Sagittarius Q and A in a few weeks. But what I will do is I will take the lunation through the rising sign. So if you have your rising sign, if you know your rising sign, um, that will help you understand what is going on for you with this particular lunation. Uh, Alessandra pulled the Seven of Swords yesterday. I pulled the Seven of Swords today, Alessandra. I, I've, I've been going through a little bit of an experience of Seven of Swords with like um, just having some trust issues in, in some of my, my communities and trying to work through my feelings around that. And um, the Seven of Swords sometimes can be indicative of a, of a betrayal potentially within a relationship or someone could be absconding with your ideas or something of that nature too or it could be reflective of our own efforts being a little bit unstable and our own ideas being unstable m says i believe and practice faith every day and that makes me feel protected and but it amazes me how these times are showing collectively for how long this chapter will last you read okay so we're similar question as alessandra um I do think that the, the, the story is going to shift when Pluto changes signs, um, but I do, here, here's another thing that I will say about this, and then I'll move forward into the rising signs. I love these, I love the digressions that we get taken down in the chat. This is why I do it live, because I think that I, I love connecting with community. Another thing to think about in Jupiter-Saturn cycles. In traditional astrology, when Jupiter and Saturn come together, it is sort of like the birth of a new social order of some sort. Like we thought of, we can think of Saturn as the the blueprint that Jupiter is is drawing on to beget things into form. This is something I've learned from Charles Obert in the Classical Seven Planets. So think about Saturn as the Platonic ideals. Think about Jupiter as the ability to create. Uh, from that blueprint, from like, say we have an, a, an ideal of a horse, and then we have the multiplicity and the variety of horses that Jupiter will beget into form. We have this cycle where we have a usurpation cycle. Kronos or Saturn was the father, the Titan father, and we had Jupiter or Zeus, the son, who was a liberator who was trying to overthrow the old order. And he, they had to be very cagey about overthrowing Kronos. They're, they're led, it led to a, a very long war, actually, a 10-year, 10,000-year war. Telemachus, I can't remember the word. It's Telemachus or something of that nature. Um, and that reflects the 10-year cycle that it takes for Saturn and Jupiter to come into opposition and Jupiter to start to become in the overcoming position to Saturn. So oftentimes when you see Saturn and Jupiter coming together, like we saw in 2020, we will, we will have the old order, aka Saturn, Kronos, trying to swallow all their children, 
saying, I'm going to try to keep everything the same by, by not letting one of my children usurp me. Like he, he was afraid. He was afraid of the prophecy saying one of his children would overthrow him. So he started eating them. And they hid, they hid Zeus away. And Zeus came back fully grown and, uh, you know, caused Saturn to, to let go and, and to expel his children. And then overcame Kronos and became the new king. So if you're asking me when we could start to see the change, what I think is happening right now is we're seeing Kronos consuming all of its children in all these countries. Kronos being these fascist regimes trying to, and authoritarian regimes trying to maintain the old power structure, which only benefits a few and not the collective. And we will see that continuing to happen until we get to the Jupiter-Saturn opposition, probably 2030. I know it feels like it's far away, but like that's that's what we're looking at here. Uh, and if someone else knows the exact time frame, I mean, I guess I could look it up here, but yeah, either here nor there. It's about I think it's about a 10-year cycle of when it comes together. Um, then the the new order will start to to overtake the new the liberation energy will begin and jupiter will have the upper hand the freedom will have the upper hand so i think we're gonna have to buckle in for a few more years here it is and it is scary um and people's real lives are being affected by it and i wish i had more answers i i don't have a ton of answers what i have at this point is just compassion for everyone who is suffering right now on there are there are so many different aspects to all of this and i think that it's challenging when we start othering i think that we have to be really careful about this there's a lot of nuance where there's a lot of collateral damage and in, in innocent people in a lot of these situations and when we try to other we're just feeding into that so for me when I think about larger ge geopolitical things, I just, I feel a lot of compassion for those who are in vulnerable positions. And it just is, I don't know, I, 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 I that's what I, where, where I try to stay in that place of just feeling compassion for anyone who is suffering in those, those circumstances. So hang in there, Alessandra. And if you, it is important to continue to vote, even though sometimes we feel frustrated that our vote may not matter. Um, we have to at least try to to continue to to utilize the mechanisms of democracy, even though they may be pulled away from us. We have to at least continue to try to participate in that system to to keep it functioning. If we choose to just ignore it and not even try. To vote or things like that then the fascists have already won so so keep that in mind you have to still continue to participate even if you're feeling frustrated with the process uh mac is here wow catching live for once mac from chile richmond virginia nice to see you mac hope you're doing well um alessandra says fellow nightlight student nice nice uh I'm a fan of yours. Well, I'm a fan of yours, Alessandra. Thank you for being here today. I, I hope that what I'm saying is helpful. I, I know that it's not, I, I wish I had a better answer, um, but I'm just a guy on the internet looking at 
some symbols in the sky. <laughs> um, and I hope that I can help bring you some peace of mind. Um, but I get thinking a lot about that, that Gandalf quote where he's talking to Frodo and he's talking about Frodo's expressing like, man, why do we have to live through these times? And it's, and it's really the, the gist of it is, you know, we don't always get to choose the times that we're born into. We get to choose how we are going to act within them. And it feels very much like one of those moments right now, collectively. Tracy says we have the same in the UK with democracy. Yeah, democracy is being held together with threads right now in all over the world. Uh, yes, Max says Pluto and Capricorn has been big authoritarian energy for sure. Maybe we'll see some of that alleviate with Pluto and Aquarius, I hope. Um, but we'll see. I think that there's just, there will be different challenges with that. Um, power grabs and land grabs, Alessandra says, yes, absolutely. Devin says, Saturn Aquarius rules the outsiders and those that are singled out and othered. Yes, absolutely. Um, Tracy says, yes, makes sense with the brainwashing and the mention of vampire energy, for sure. Uh, Devin says, last time Pluto is in Aquarius, we saw the printing press, the American and French Revolution. Oh, was, it's always good to go back in time and see what we were going through. Like printing press was enormous for spreading information. So maybe there will be, maybe we're being too dire about it. Maybe there will be some, some, some really amazing uh, transformations that will help us to, to, to spread more information potentially. But, but Devin, on the flip side of that, we always got to see things from multiple angles. Yes, it allowed us to spread more information with books, but it also allowed people to spread propaganda easier too. So that it's always a mixed bag. When we try to make something good or bad, we're missing that nuance. So yeah, American and French Revolution definitely could see revolutionary energies if the powers of authoritarianism continue to rise. Um, people just aren't going to put up with it you know, for, for very long. Uh, Alessandra says, Neptune making it difficult to discern what is real. I agree with that. It is hard to discern what is real sometimes. It's not not easy, is it? Especially with like AI and, and how they're changing art. And that is going to be one of the things we're going to have to work on as a community. Um, okay. But Alessandra says, thank you so much. I'm always okay somehow. I'm glad to hear that, Alessandra. Uh, Luna Storm says, you jinxed my Seahawks. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, maybe they jinxed themselves. We'll, we'll see with the uh, football there. Um, Alessandra's talking about having a spiritual practice is key for astrologers. Absolutely. It is important, especially because, because we are able to see some things that are coming and that have have transpired in the past from different perspectives, we do have to to be clear channels um, because it can be really easy to get lost in in the challenging work that we're doing. Janet's here. Hi, Janet. Good speed. Nice to see you. Catching some of this live before work. Hi, Spencer and friends. Nice to see you, my friend. Check out Janet Goodspeed at GoodSigil.com. She does really great work with talismanic jewelry. Tracy Chaplin, thank you so much for the. For the super sticker, I appreciate you, my friend. Uh, Tanya says, Titan Titanomachy. Yes, that's right. 
<laughs> Tanya coming from inside the house. I want happy, happy Veterans Day, friends. Um, I know that I myself and some others have mixed feelings about the the challenges of war and of uh, the the machine that we see that contributes to that. But what I will say is that there have been a lot of really brave and courageous individuals that have uh, been trying to just do what they felt was right in their hearts and that have sacrificed a lot of, uh, have sacrificed their lives and some of their well-being to, to, to help others. So I want to just give a shout out to those who have served um, our country and that, uh, ho hopefully you are feeling appreciated today. Um, and I hope that you're doing well wherever you are. So happy Veterans Day. Monique says, what's up, Tanya? Um, let me see. I'm just looking through the chat here. 2027 should be a major turning point, Devin says. Excellent. Devin, you and I have to talk some more, man. It looks like you've been really looking out into the future here. I've, I've been, I think I've been dealing with just trying to figure out what's happening next week <laughs> more so than, than 10 years from now, but maybe I should look a little further afield. Uh, okay. Tracy says the Gandalf quote is very often quoted in our house. I mean, it's, it's, it's a powerful one for these, for these challenging times that we're going through it. It, 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 Here's the thing about the Lord of the Rings. W wonderful book was written by someone who had, I believe, Tolkien was he? Did he fight in World War One? He wrote it during, I, I, I believe, in the on in between World War One and World War Two. I could be mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. But he understood war, and he understood the fear that came along with everything seeming very dire and much of the themes in that book are how do you retain your humanity when the collective is going through such massive changes and suffering. And this was so, what's so glorious about that book is a lot of it is about the friendships that, that come during those difficult times, the friendships of Samwise Gamgee and Frodo, the friendships of Gandalf and Frodo and the, the, the fellowship it's really those relationships that that we see become more deeply bonded during these difficult times and this is something you see with soldiers that go to war there and you see this in the microcosm it's not as serious but you see a microcosm of this in sports where it, it is a mock battle where you feel this bond of going into a conflict with your your teammates and but when you you come back from a war that you know you 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 forged a relationship that is very difficult to to reproduce in any other circumstance. So, I think that that's what that's something that teaches us. Um, yeah, like uh, Tracy says, Tolkien lost his son in World War One. Okay, and he was in World War Two and has Saturn in Pisces. Good, thank you, Devin, for helping me out with that. Um, I just know that he was very influenced by the World Wars. Um, so, thank you for helping with those details. So again, the relationships are really important. And this is something that we can hold on to during these, what feels like really challenging times ahead is those relationships and how do we, you know, band together 
in in friendship during crisis? Uh, Stephen says, we came out of Middle Earth with open eyes. Observe and respond appropriately. Yes, absolutely. Oh, Sandra is rethinking the patriarchy, as we all should. Absolutely. Uh, Mariana is here. Hello, Mariana. Says, you named the vote part just when I was thinking about it because I need to travel miles for that, but I'll be responsible. Yes, Mariana, please. If you have the opportunity to vote, please exercise that. It is not something we should take for granted. All of the, like I said, the, the, the forces that are trying to control the narrative, they don't want you to vote. Like the, And you letting them win by, by feeling like you just, like it doesn't matter. The more we continue to vote and force the issue with that, that's how we maintain the, the right to do it in the future. Uh, social media puts it right in your face. It's hard to ignore it. Yeah, it, social media is tough. Like there's there's a lot going on in, in the in the collective, and sometimes we have to take a break from it without putting our head too far under the sand. We have to to know what's going on so that we can alleviate the suffering of the most vulnerable, while still maintaining our our equilibrium in our own lives. It's a, it's tough to do. Uh, Tracy says he was one of the Inklings visionaries, i.e. C.S. Lewis and other authors. Can't remember his name. Yeah. Um, love C.S. Lewis and, and his uh, his uh, Narnia Chronicles. Definitely has a similar uh, vibe about how to act within challenging circumstances. Uh, Stephen's looking forward to his nodal return. Nice. December 20th, 2025. That'll be fun. Uh, Sandra says, some politicians just need to retire. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, friends, I'm going to start moving forward. Let's, let's take a little stretch break here. Let's recircle back around. I will do my best to help you through the geopolitical situation, but I will plead... Um, my ignorance in knowing the ins and outs of every international geopolitical situation. Uh, I am not a political science major or anybody who knows much more than what I'm seeing on the news or in various sources or hearing from, from you. Um, I try to pay attention as much as I can. Uh, what I will say and my viewpoint on this is that oftentimes as human beings, we get really caught up in the, the smaller cycles of life. And one thing that astrology has taught me is that we live, the time that we are living is so short and small compared to these larger cycles. And all of these issues feel like bigger cycles of nature and that doesn't that doesn't make the suffering any easier in the moment i just i try to take a bigger more objective perspective and it's i will admit it's easier for me to do that living in the country that i live with the advantages that i i do not take for granted so i i don't know what else to do besides just be be here for you and help you contextualize what you're experiencing 
within the mythology and the astrology and um, through the symbols. I can only offer my, my knowledge as a symbol interpreter uh, on that level, and I will continue to vote, and I will continue to, to try to shed light on some of these challenging experiences and hold space for you. I hope that's helpful. Okay, friends, do me a favor. If you're new here, and I see some new faces, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Please help me out by liking the video. If you want to make a material donation to the work that I'm doing, there's a little dollar sign. It's called Super Chat or Super Sticker. I so much appreciate everyone that helps me keep the lights on here. Uh, if you are in need of assistance and you want me to get much more specific about your chart, I do readings. Uh, you can find that at my website, spencermichaud.com. I have all sorts of different types of readings where I'd be, I would be more than happy to, to sit down with you for uh, an hour or two hours and, and hold space for you and help you contextualize these individual symbols in your life. I wish I could do more of that on some of these chats. I try to do as much as I can. Um, but sometimes we just, in the interest of time and, and being able to reach as many people as we can, we sort of have to keep it a little bit more general sometimes. All right. Okay, Mariana says, you do great, Spencer. Thank you for your reflections. I'm trying. It's, it's, it's a tough time to be anybody in the public sphere trying to make sense of all this. It's hard to make everyone happy and to, to, to look at it through the lens of, through the multiple lenses of the nuance that is required. And again, like I, I, I plead my ignorance in some of that, and I try to keep up with it as much as I can, but sometimes when we have something like the internet, where we are exposed to collective suffering every day, there's going to be somebody suffering in the inter on the internet, in the collective, all the time. It can be very challenging to like absorb all that energy as an empath and make sense of it. Before things like the internet, we had crises, but we we had they were more local a lot of the time. Yes, we had things like world wars, but the ability to hold all of this suffering at once with without end is really tough, and it's not um, it's not something that I think we've quite figured out how to do as a species. And I know that it's it feels like we have to be involved in it every single day, especially when we're trying to advocate for those who are, are oppressed and powerless. Um, and I do think that that's important work. I would just say, make sure that you're taking the time to recharge your battery and to center yourself during all of this. And if you have to take a time out, it's okay to do that as well, in the interest of self-preservation also. Uh, Devin says... Uh, oh, Spencer's natal readings are something I aspire to create for people as I develop my own astrology. Oh, good, Devin. Well, I I love working with you, and I think that um, you know Devin Devin really has a great great outlook on the world and uh, is an intelligent astrologer. So I think you're going to be able to I think you're going to be able to do good work out there, my friend. I can tell that what I can tell about you, Devin, is that you have a caring heart and that you aren't afraid of the challenging topics in life. And that's something that is really commendable and is going to help you to be successful in this work. Because 
when you do work like this, you will have to deal with some of the most traumatic, challenging things that people are experiencing in their, in their life because oftentimes they come to folks like us because they've tried everything else and they are searching for answers. And at a certain point, when you've talked to your, your therapist, when you've talked to your friends and your family, when you've, you've talked to the teacher, or even your priest, sometimes you're like, what do the stars have to say? What does the universe has to say? <laughs> it's almost like, there's definitely almost like a, there's a quiet desperation sometimes when in our work. Uh, and it is, it is a really an important responsibility to be able to hold space in that. And I think you are capable of that, my friend. So I'm excited to see how your journey turns out. Um, so this is reading help propel my personal journey into the stars. Good, Dana. Good, good. Glad to be inspiring others along the way. That's that's the thing. Like there's there's lineage that happens in in the, something like astrology where we are constantly inspiring each other. And um, yeah, and Monique says we need the world needs more astrologers. We need more people that will hold space for others. Um, one person isn't going to be able to 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 do it for everyone. And and one person's perspective could be very different than another's. And you may resonate with someone's lived experience more than, than another, and, and there's room at the table for, for everyone. So good luck on your journey, bud. Um, Meredith Reynolds is here. This is listening from my art studio in my home here in Southern Maine. All right, nice to see you, Meredith. Hope that we're keeping you company here today. Sorry the topics are so heavy today, but the, this is uh, the Scorpio season. We are going into the, the depths and the sewer tunnels of our life and and trying to make sense of it and, and uh, have a little bit of a emotional cathartic release. All right, my friends, let's start and look through the um, the houses. Before I do that, I do want to just show you a little clip from my Deccans of Scorpio webinar that is on sale for twenty percent off right now. If you are interested in studying more of this, I did a a, a webinar series on all of the thirty six Deccans. And you can find that on my website, spencermashow.com. So as we were talking about earlier in the show, and some things to think about as we take the, the lunation through the houses, is that we will be dealing with glamorizing something that is decaying in our life, maybe chasing uh, the ghost of something that has already died or already passed. This card was called the Lord of Debauchery, which really speaks to the the being addicted to something potentially where we're having difficulty letting go where the illusion can can be controlling us on some level and again it's it really speaks to what we were talking about with like vampirism where tr doing more and more evil to try to keep something alive and hurting people to to try to to maintain something that we really just should just let go of so fantasy and illusion, we can see in this card too, having to get real about something. Remember, this is a Venus in Scorpio type of energy, and Venus is in its exile in Scorpio. So we're we're trying to create unity in a in a sign that is associated with separation. So releasing attachment and, and overcoming addiction, liberation from addiction is a is a huge theme with this. So so it's a really an opportunity to overcome something that we may that may be uh, not not necessarily good for us that. We're, we're having trouble releasing. So 
is is this uh, situation in your life reality or is it an illusion? Uh, has the the opportunity has the opportune moment passed? Okay, are we holding on to something that that is no longer vital? Right, what forms in our life are no longer vital? What dark truths do we need to accept? We've talked a little bit about those today. I usually try to keep things fairly light on the channel, but we sometimes we just cannot avoid the darkness that uh, we experience in the collective. And that's tough. Like that's something we have to acknowledge if we're being honest about our experiences. So we have to kind of acknowledge that darkness sometimes. Uh, what desires need to be released? And then finally, how can you compost the past for future fertility? One of the things that I enjoy doing in my life is looking to nature to understand how to live a human life because we are a part of nature. We are not separate from it. As much as humanity wants to separate themselves from nature and try to, to assert its dominance, we are still animals that are creatures of this planet. And we are a part of the ecosystem. We are a part of everything that happens here. And we can learn a lot from the way that nature responds to the changes that are coming in life. So in nature, things are born, they grow, they consume, they die, they decay. That matter that is decaying back to the earth is the food for future fertility. If we don't allow something to die, we are not creating the fertile ground for the, the return of the spring. We're not, we're, if we keep trying to grow things in, in land that's been exhausted, there's no nutrients to be gained from it. So this is why I've been saying, leave the leaves, right? Like we have this obsession with getting, with sweeping death under the, under the carpet, under the rug. We don't want to even acknowledge it in Western civilization and society. We don't want any uh, uh, visual reminders that there is death, like leaves on our, on, our, on our lawns. And what we're doing is we're depleting the land of the, the nutrients that death provides. We are depleting ourselves of the, nutri the spiritual nutrition that death will provide in our lives. Eventually, you will have the empty calories of not having meaning and purpose if you aren't accepting death within your life. So a practical thing to do, leave the leaves. Let the leaves return to the earth. Let them return nutrients to the soil so that even if you're attached to your grass, it will make your grass healthier. If you're planting native plants, which I highly recommend, it will create the future fertility. It will allow for the, the, the birds, the butterflies, the bees, etc., the things that are essential for life on this planet, for our own fertility, to continue to thrive. And it comes through an acceptance of this season of death and decay and fermentation. This is where the faith part of Scorpio comes in. When we are letting go of something that we were attached to, we have to have faith in the cycle of return. Okay? So by releasing something, you are saying, I have faith that something will come to me that is more appropriate to who I am today and in the future than who I was in the past. It's very important. It's a hard lesson, but it's very, very important to come to terms with that. Um, let's see. Meredith says, listen, uh, okay, Alessandra says, rumor has it you are a Deccan guru. Well, 
I like the Deccans a lot. I've spent a lot of time studying them, and I, I would say that I owe an enormous amount of credit and gratitude to folks like Austin Kopic, to T. Susan Chang, to Liz Green, uh, to Joy Usher, to Demetra George, my friend Adam over at Nightlight Astrology. All of these folks have helped inspire me towards my astrological journey. Chris Brennan. Um, we're all part of that lineage. And I try to add my own viewpoint and spin on these things and incorporate different uh, systems of knowledge within it. And I'm still learning and still growing. And uh, hopefully we'll continue on that journey. So uh, it really has enriched my practice. It's something that I I've, have found a lot of truth within. And um, just want to make sure that I'm acknowledging all that lineage as well. Uh, you know, Project Hindsight, Robert Schmidt. It's really important to, to acknowledge our lineage and the people that have inspired us uh, and to make sure we have a healthy respect within our communities as well. All right. Let's see. Tis the season for shadow work, clearing out the old then plant seeds so there is space for new growth in the spring. It is a cycle. Yes, I agree, Alessandra. Monique says, I have to run, but I'll catch the rest on replay. I hope everyone has a great day, and remember to breathe through these energies, and don't F-A-A-F-O. <laughs> for those of you unfamiliar, that is fuck around and find out. Yeah, really important. Really important to kind of maintain your cool and your integrity uh, on these uh, these spicy times. So I hope that that helps give you some understanding of Scorpio 3. Uh, here you can see we talk about the Kairos moment and, and being able to understand when a moment is past. And uh, you can get that in my webinar if you'd like to support the work that I do. Those webinars are two and a half to three hours each. We cover um, three, three decans in each sign every webinar. And uh, Scorpio's on sale right now. So you can find that at SpencerMichelle.com in the store. And I uh, appreciate your support. All right, so let's go and take this through the houses. So I'm gonna uh, compose myself here and get rid of some of these extraneous windows on my, <laughs> my computer screen. Got this tiny computer screen here trying to manage all these. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start with Scorpio rising uh, that's kind of the new MO here on this channel is we're going to start with the rising sign of where the sun is transiting through so that everybody gets a chance to uh, to be first. <laughs> like, so it's more fair, I guess. Uh, let's see. So here's Scorpio rising. So Scorpio rising is one of the angular houses for this new moon. And when we have an angular new moon or eclipse or transit, we tend to feel that more personally. So Scorpio rising, you may be having a personal uh, issue, maybe related to your body, maybe related to your character, where you are coming into an awareness of something that needs to be let go of, potentially, of maybe an illusion. It may be something that happens through a conflict with a partner 
could trigger some changes in your own persona, in your own body, that will lead you down the path, hopefully, of liberation and rebirth. Um, we are having a, you know, you have a trine here with Saturn in the fifth house, so there might be uh, some reality checks coming around your with your children, or, or if you don't have any children, your creative process or how you seek pleasure within your life. And then Mercury is going to be making that square to Saturn from the second house to the fifth. So there may be some really difficult conversations and stops and starts around resources and how you pursue pleasure. So hang in there, Scorpio rising, and um, try to maintain a fair uh response if you're coming into a conflict with somebody like i know that it's really tempting to plan someone's demise for forever <laughs> you know like this is a, this has been my experience of people with strong scorpio placements is if you hurt them if you hurt their feelings they aren't necessarily the type that are going to lash out right away they're going to file it away and figure out how to completely crush destroy and eviscerate you at the at your most vulnerable moment and that is dangerous and this is why you should be very careful of making a scorpionic person upset but if you are this person one thing i will offer is when you are holding on to that anger grief sadness oftentimes it's destroying you as much as it is the other person and when you finally let go of those feelings uh, you become liberated you are no longer a slave to that energy and that, to me, is is a great way to go through life, is not being beholden to our past hurts and traumas. Okay, I'm going to go a little quicker through these today, so just so you hopefully we'll get through this in the two hours that I usually assign to this. Sagittarius rising. You have a new moon in your 12th house. There is an opposition between Uranus and your sixth house, and we're experiencing the Mercury-Saturn square from your first to your fourth house. So this is a new start and realization about a form that is potentially expired within either the way that you seek solitude, the, the uh, maybe there is a realization that there are ways that you self-sabotage potentially, it could also be the beginning of an, an ending to some secret enemy that you have. Twelfth house enemies. I was I was meditating on this uh, with my twelfth house partner about what the difference between seventh house open enemies is and the twelfth house secret enemies. And one thing we were discussing a lot is. There's a lot of experience of, of an undermining presence when you have strong 12th house placements. The type of enemy that you experience from a 12th house placement is someone who just is constantly like undermining your, you. Like, and, it, and it's really subtle. And what is difficult about it is it's very hard to convince other people that it's happening because oftentimes that person will show a certain face to the world that, that, is, that gains favor. And then you are the recipient of the dark side of that person's energy. So this may be something, Sagittarius rising, where you're starting to get an awareness of, of an undermining presence in your life that really needs to be let go of. And you could also 
be understanding of a habit that you have that is undermining your life. And this could be some, some kind of uh, health challenge could be coming up that unexpectedly that, that will help you to, to finally release and compost that old habit, that old undermining influence in your life. A secret enemy doesn't have to be a person. It could be a habit that we have personally that is undermining our life. So I, 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 this is one thing I will start to talk about more. The, the 12th house, the underminer, <laughs> like what do they say in, jeez, uh, I just, I know Tony said it today. Uh, in The Incredibles, like, I'm always under you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Somebody put it in the chat, but um, it's kind of funny. Um, you will be experiencing the Mercury-Saturn square over your first and fourth house, uh, Sagittarius rising. So you may be feeling really passionate about expressing a a certain belief system at this time, but it may be creating some challenges. You may be running into the brick wall. Your beliefs may be running into the brick wall of a family situation, of a domestic situation. There may be some reality checks coming from your family or from your home or from, from your roots that are making forward movement a little bit slower and a little bit more challenging. So hang in there, friends. You do have a good Venus in the 11th house, so this might be a time to rely on friends. Scorpio rising is going to have Venus in the 12th, so it might be time for them to just kind of like chill out, have some solitary time, and uh, you might find you have a really nice experience just going off by yourself for a little while. Uh, Tanya says, Behold, the underminer, I am always beneath you, but nothing is beneath me. I hereby declare war on peace and happiness. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, Tanya, thank you. That is that has been my experience of of having 12th house secret enemies and it is it is a pattern in my life that I'm hope, hoping to be able to extricate and get rid of because I I it's very frustrating to have this kind of crop up over and over again, but it's a test of your own integrity sometimes. Remember how I talked about when people are acting out of their integrity, you don't, it's not a race to the bottom that this is where if you, if you respond in kind, everyone just hurts more and more. So how do you, how do you maintain your integrity in those situations? Luna Storm says they're running into vet bills. Oh no, sorry, friend. Are you sad rising Luna Storm? That, that might be the, the Uranus Mars opposition in the sixth house with like small animals with the sixth house, potentially. That sucks. Sorry, friend. But yeah, Carol says, I am the underminer. Nothing is beneath me. Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. All right. So Capricorn rising. Let's talk about this Capricorn rising. So Capricorn rising is a new moon in the 11th house, opposing Uranus in the fifth. And, uh, here we also have Mercury squaring Saturn from the 12th to uh, the third house. So Capricorn rising, the good news for you, Cap rising, is Saturn just recently stationed direct. So if you've been feeling confused about your why and why you're doing things out in the world, uh, that might start to get a little clearer as Saturn starts to move forward. Okay. Um. Devin is talking Sag rising. 
Stevens is satirizing, satirizing also might be experiencing trouble with sleeping, bad dreams, and high levels of anxiety. Yes, Devin, good call, bud. Uh, so, yeah, with the 12th house, new moon for sure. Um, so, so Capricorn rising. New moon in the 11th house. Mars Kazemi happening in the 11th house. Keep in mind, friends, that every lunation that I talk about, every house, you're also going to be experiencing a Mars Kazemi in that house as well, a rebirth in that house. So we've talked about Scorpio risings. You may have a personal rebirth, maybe in relationship to your body and your character. Sagittarius may have a rebirth uh, around their their dreams, like the, the undermining influences in their life. There may be some kind of influence or, or rebirth uh, realization around that. Um, Capricorn rising is going to be seeing an understanding of how the, the communities that they're a part of, uh, that they may no longer be connected to them, that the vitality they once felt within a group of people just isn't bringing them happiness and joy anymore. And this may be an opportunity to, to separate from that and move under their own creative power. There might be some some kind of experience with a child or with a, your own creativity where you're feeling like you want to break free. Uh, there could be a situation where at your job or your work or community, you're just not vibing with those folks anymore. And there is an opportunity to start detaching from that. Venus has moved into your 10th house. So this could be a really positive testimony for getting a new job, for having better relationships with authority figures or superiors or or trying to begin to rebalance your your role within society that will help bring you joy and peace mercury squaring saturn from the 12th to the third we you know we talked about this with michelle earlier who's cap rising they just got news that their friend has pancreatic cancer, so maybe some bad news about a friend could be coming your way potentially. Um, so, so be be on the lookout for that. It could also be that you you are desiring rest, but there are all, a lot of communications and and activities in your local environment, in your day to day routines and habits that make getting uh, rest a little bit more difficult. That are you're running into those challenges. So this could also be suggest sleep challenges potentially. <laughs> Tanya says, "Just at me, geez." Yeah, Tanya is a Capricorn rising, um, who is experiencing some. I always think about Tanya's experience when I talk about Capricorn rising because, you know, we talk a lot. She's my my life partner, and I know what's going on in her life. And uh, a lot of those themes have been coming out for her, like feeling difficult connection, connecting to a group and needing to move forward with that. So um, maybe hopefully Tanya's experience and my understanding of it will help the other Capricorn Risings here as well. Sorry, I'm not trying to read you to the filth, Tanya. <laughs> okay. Aquarius Rising. Aquarius rising is having another angular new moon in the 10th house with an opposition to Uranus in the 4th. Um, there is the square between Mercury and Saturn from the 11th to the 2nd house. So this could be a realization of some form that is no longer vital. 
of trying to over glamorize a, a public persona or public position. This is the other thing to think about with all of these is we may be hanging on too tightly to the old thing. We may be glamorizing the past, right? Venus and Scorpio say, oh, wow, isn't this attractive? Okay. So with Aquarius rising, you too have had your ascendant ruler stationing direct in your second house. Um, like Capricorn had Saturn stationing direct in the third house. So there might be some money matters that are getting real about how you support yourself. So this could lead to a change in your experience um, publicly with your job and like maybe having to let go of an old, an old public persona or job or something where you, you had a public uh, experience. And there may be some something triggering within your domestic situation that is leading to those changes. I had a, I have a friend who has been going through some challenges by having to take care of a, an ailing family member, and that's changed their their public um, persona and their public involvement quite a bit. And that's something that that we may see with Aquarius risings uh, is is some kind of family or domestic situation that is necessitating letting go of a public a public face or public attachment. The good news is, is that you know Venus moving into the ninth house could could be helping you see the bigger picture. It could be helping to soften uh, things like your belief systems. It could be like you're rebalancing beliefs about who and what your role is within society. One of the, the, the best advice I had for um, my friend who was going through these challenging times is the universe isn't concerned with 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 scale all the time. Like a kind deed does not uh, is not connected to whether you're doing it for the pomp and circumstance for a lot of people publicly or for one person in your domestic situation. So keep that in mind. You can really change the world by just showing up for the the folks that need you in your in your family or whatnot. And that that's an important realization to have. I used to be a victim of my own grandiosity as a young person. And I had to learn that the hard way that sometimes doing things on a small scale is just as important. I believe there's a hexagram in the I Ching that talks about the bird that flies, flies too high loses their song. And that was one that at the time in my early 20s, I asked the I Ching what my life purpose was. And I got that hexagram number 62. And it talked about that. And I, I carried that with me throughout that period of time when I was struggling trying to be a good parent and still being attached to doing like, you know, music and being a public figure and things of that nature. And it was, it was a very instructive to me to realize that someone really needed me in the, in the, the quiet part of my life rather than the public one and having to balance that out. Um, there's also going to be a square coming uh, from the 11th house to the second house. So there could be some, I guess, some news like th this is uh, Devin's on the on the, on point with this. I believe it was Devin who was pointing out the bad news coming with with Mercury and Sagittarius. Um, so maybe there's some realization from a friend group that is making it challenging for your own financial situation. Uh, maybe there's something where there's a belief system around a group that is running in head headlong into a brick wall uh, where it's you're having to come to terms with your own 
finances, how you support yourself and, and things of that nature. So, so hang in there, Aquarius rising, um, use that good objectivity and, um, you know, try to uh, embrace, embrace the long view. Okay, Pisces rising. Pisces rising has the new moon in the ninth house, opposing Uranus in the third. And uh, let's see, let's move this around a little bit. There we go. And we're also seeing the square with Mercury to Saturn in the 10th to the first house. So ninth house new moon, excuse me for a second. Sorry, I got a little, hold on a second. All right. Um, a ninth house new moon could be a belief system that you may be hanging on to or glamorizing that needs to be released. And by holding on even, even more tightly to a guiding belief, you could have be creating some problems for yourself potentially. There may be a, a, a conflict that comes up uh, regarding an orthodox belief system like a, a religious organization or a higher education organization that you're a part of and it may not jive with your um, personal beliefs which are sometimes related to the third house and that could lead to a change in, in whether you want to be a part of that organization or whether you let go of a long-held belief system that is guiding your life. Now, Mercury may be bringing news or bringing challenges or, or, or you may be expressing something in your job that could be uh, bringing you challenges in the way that you see yourself and in with your body. So like difficult communications at work or with a boss or with an authority figure could be asking you to re-examine um, the mycelium of your life and how you present out into the world. Uh, the good news is, is that Saturn is now direct in your first house. So there's probably, hopefully, a little bit more clarity about which of your dreams are, are practical and which of them are just, you know, flights of fancy. So, so be careful about, um, you know, getting lost in the illusion with this, with this particular lunation, Pisces rising. Uh, this is a great time to, to look towards the, look towards your higher self to be able to guide you with this, to look towards your intuition to say, you know what, this is what I really want. Uh, and this old system that I have given power to no longer is bringing vitality. Oftentimes I will see Pisces, Jupiterian types give over their agency to a guru, an organization, something of that nature. And this could be the moment where that is proving to be just not in alignment with your current path. So don't be afraid to let that go if that, that comes up for you. Venus will be you know, moving through your eighth house, probably helping you with, you know, shared financial situations potentially. So might be a good time to renegotiate uh, some agreements that you hold uh, financially with other people. 
All right. Let's keep going. Let's keep on going. Keep on trucking. Let's get to Aries Rising here. Whew, I'm going to make it. I'm tired. <laughs> it's always a lot to do. I'm tired today. I didn't sleep super well. There's just been a lot of these things going on in my life, thinking about different responsibilities and changes. I had I woke up in the middle of the night last night and I was up for like an hour and a half just staring at the ceiling, not really able to get back to sleep. But I appreciate you sticking it out with me here today and for all of your contributions in the chat and your ideas and your thoughts and experiences and for your attention today. It's an honor to be of service to you. All right, Aries Rising. You, my friend, have a new moon in the 8th house with a very powerful Mars Kazemi uh, coming in the days after this new moon, uh, ruling the Ascendant. So this is something where this could be a powerful new start for you in the house of shared resources related to death and inheritances and things that come after completion. Oftentimes the 8th house is something that speaks to sometimes things that happen after a divorce or after the ending of something. So if you're hanging on to a conflict over what is yours versus what is theirs, it's probably a good time to just begin to detach and let go and, and try not to hang on too tightly to those shared resources. Uh, it, 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 can, it can lead to like, only lead to suffering for both parties if you get too, too involved in, in a conflict. Um, the Mercury-Saturn square is happening over the 9th and 12th house axes. So you might get some news in regards to a religious organization or a higher education type of experience or long-distance travel that may start to ignite some of your uh, deeply held fears, potentially, like something where uh, you might be there might be travel involved or something like that, but it could be difficult to to move to move forward because of a, a belief system or an old belief system potentially or something that is holding you back. Um, it may be difficult to get the rest that you need potentially uh, just just due to a chronic condition on some level, like Saturn often represents chronic conditions. Although I will say that Saturn is moving direct in your 12th house now. So you may understand what needs to change for you to, to release some of the undermining influences within your life. Saturn does joy in the 12th house. That doesn't always, it sounds like, oh, that's a great thing. Saturn loves to be there. It does, but Saturn, remember, always remember that Saturn is still a malefic planet. Um, yes, there are things that we can learn from Saturnian experiences, but there, there there's some challenges involved with it. So this could in, be increasing our feelings of isolation and, and things of that nature. Although when Saturn is in its joy, if it's in good condition in your natal chart, like if it's in Libra or if it's in Aquarius or Capricorn, oftentimes we don't mind being alone and we don't mind the solitary existence. If it's in Cancer or like Aries or something like that, we might be really f struggling with the, the isolation that we feel at times. So it all depends on uh, what kind of condition it's in, whether it's in a night or a day chart. Saturn tends to function better in a day chart because of the warming influence of the sun. 
um, and it tends to feel more oppressive in a night chart. So hang in there, Aries rising. Uh, you do have Venus moving through your seventh house, so that's some a good positive influence. So there may be a way to negotiate a fair agreement with a partner as long as you're willing to let go of old forms. Uh, to me, this is like maybe if you're uh, experiencing an ending, this is or if you, like you have a partnership or something like that, you may have negotiations that could open up that could be more fruitful and peaceful so that you both can move on with your lives on some level. So this is this is the type of vibe I'm seeing from Aries rising here. And keep in mind too, Aries rising, you've got you have eclipses happening in your first and seventh house, and there may be a lot of letting go that are happening within partnerships right now. But you have a new moon uh, eclipse happening in April. So if you can hang in there until that, you're going to feel really empowered by that period of time. And this is this is the cycle that is helping you get past the letting go phase so that you can become the independent, sovereign individual that you were born to be. Okay. Taurus rising. Another angular new moon. So Taurus rising has a seventh house new moon with an opposition to Uranus in the first and then the Mercury Saturn square happening from the eighth to the 11th house. Taurus rising right now is probably becoming aware in this lunation cycle of some old forms that need to be let go of within their relationships. And the coming to that realization is leading probably to some electricity and shocking actions in your own body, mind, character. You may be acting a little bit out of character to our rising right now because of the changes that are necessary in your relationship. Oftentimes, Taurus risings and Taurus people in general are the 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 knight of I think of a sort of like the knight of pentacles type the the reliable person that's everyone knows who and what you're going to be day to day you're like consistent well with Uranus in your first house there could be some inconsistency that's coming up that is shocking to people around you you might not be the the same old you know happy cow that you've been for a long time uh, and this is this is something that people aren't used to. So it, it, it is important, though, Taurus Rising, for you to advocate for yourself. Um, this is one of those times where you mess with the, the bull and you might get the horns type of deal. So be careful of that. Like a Taurus person, yes, they, are, want, they would prefer peace. But please don't underestimate your Taurus friends. Everyone has their breaking limit. And when Taurus's limit has been reached, it can get really ugly. Like I have this myself as a Taurus moon. I am a peaceful, hopefully I aspire towards kindness. I don't say, and I'm not saying I achieve it all the time, but it is a value that I hold. But when I get mad, I get really mad. I get like, if I've been pushed past my limit, it, it's not pretty for, for a period of time. And this may be true for, for you Taurus risings as well. Um, try not to let that relationship challenge cause you to act outside of your integrity. Take take a deep breath, go get a snack, have a nap, have a bath, take a walk in nature, restore your equilibrium, restore your inner peace, and don't let that relationship issue throw you off of your personal peace. Okay, This is what Taurus is to me, 
desire above anything else is in, inner harmony. And they will get most irritated. And I'm speaking from experience. I get most irritated when people are trying to throw me off of my own inner sanctum, sanctuary, etc. And <laughs> this is something where we have to accept that, that this isn't always intentional. Sometimes people are just going through their own life and not everyone is there to to tiptoe around our own personal uh, desire to be stable, peaceful, and comfortable. Comfortable is really important. <laughs> like, um, so keep that in mind. Mac Attack is here. Says, "Is this is this the first non-eclipse Scorpio lunation?" That's a good point, Mac Attack. Maybe in a while. Yeah, I think that we were having eclipses uh, in this axis for for a while. So so maybe this is a less intense one. It's still angular, but but yes, probably a little bit of a maybe hopefully a relief potentially. We are still dealing with some of the fallout from the full moon lunar eclipse that we had over the Taurus Scorpio axis. So we're we're still kind of feeling the reverberations from that. Rachel says, so true of Taurus, especially if you have a key planet on Algol like me. <laughs> oh, Rachel. Yeah, Algol. Don't mess with Algol, friends. Algol is a plan as a fixed star that's at roughly 25, 26 degrees of Taurus. It's the blinking uh, binary star of Medusa, the red eye of the in the Medusa constellation there. And it is nasty if you uh, if you get on the wrong side of it. Um, so make sure, make sure that if you have Taurus people in your life, just take a gander if they're born in the beginning or the end of Taurus season. And if they're born towards the, the, the mid, middle or end of May, you might want to watch out because they're a little bit more dangerous than some of those other Taurus types. Uh, yeah, so I, I always appreciate your energy, Rachel. So I, there are positives to every part of the zodiac and those of you who have placements in taurus 3 with you know near those algal placements there's a resiliency to dealing with crisis and with dealing with with ch challenges that are outside of your control with coming into alignment with humility in the face of nature and really taurus 3 people who are on path have a unique ability to recognize some of the mistakes they've made in the past and to, to remedy them through, through, through analysis and through doing something different. So that is one of the real superpowers of that deck is being able to evaluate your actions in the past and, you know, repent and like that there's repentant prayer to be able to have faith in, in doing something different in the way forward. Um, and just learning from experience. I think that's that's really the thing, is learning from your mistakes is a, is a great, great gift of that Deccan. Uh, Luna Storm says, I learned not to prod my Taurus Ascendant child. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mac Attack says, yes, Mac Attack says, oh, you betcha, like 25 Taurus, ex like exactly opposite Mars Kazemi coming up. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. It's activating that Algol placement for sure, uh, where we can lose our heads. Says, uh, laugh, laughing as a first deck in Taurus moon. So true. Yep. Luna Storm says, I learned not to prod my Taurus ascendant child. Yeah, that's the thing. If you're dealing with Taurus friends in your life, children, family members, 
the last thing that they want is to be pushed into doing something. I'm, I've learned this from one of my friends who was here earlier. Uh, I share a, a fantasy football league with a Taurus rising friend who shall remain unnamed. And uh, there's a certain running back that many of us have been prodding them to, uh, to trade us. And the more that we push them to trade us, the more they dig their heels in to hang on to them. And you know who you are, and you know who that player is. <laughs> so just they don't like to be pushed. So, and I, I as a Taurus Moon, do not appreciate being pushed to do anything that I don't want to do either. So, that's something to to consider. Is as a Taurus person, you have to you have to feel it in your body. You have to feel it into your own life and. Um, and if you're dealing with the Tauruses in your life, you just have to kind of, I know how frustrating it can be, but you're working on their timetable and let them feel it in their body and, and let them experience it sensually first to, to, cause you're not going to, just not going to make those folks do anything that they don't want to do. I mean, this is really just the, the, the long and the short of it. And at the end of the day though, they're, they're not that difficult to please. Just keep them well-fed, well-rested, and give them cuddles and keep them comfortable, and, and they'll, they'll be the least problematic drama person in your life. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, they just need those fundamental things. Uh, Devin says, Algol can make a witness and teach you to speak out for those who can't. Algol can be protective. Absolutely, Devin. Um, there is a story about Algol in regards to a more feminist take on the Medusa myth, where oftentimes in some Greek mythological translations that were more patriarchally based, they talked about Medusa being punished for her role in being raped by, I believe, Poseidon in the temple of Athena. Like that, that just that act alone besmirched the temple. And that she was being punished for for this act, even though it wasn't her fault. There's other feminizations of the myth that speak towards Athena gifting Medusa with the power to defend herself through the power of her gaze to turn uh, any person to stone and the snakes for for hair. So this can also speak absolutely to a powerful protective influence to those who are who have been wronged in the past. So that's that is a way to to utilize that energy in, in its most positive form. So something to consider if you have those algal placements is you might be an advocate for those who have experienced misfortune. You may be a powerful defender uh, in that case, or you may be gifted with the power to defend yourself if you've experienced a trauma. Yes, Rachel is has is saying that that's a great way to channel. Uh, it, it, that type of algal energy, absolutely. Okay, let's move forward. Gemini rising. Gemini, Gemini. Okay, Gemini rising as a sixth house new moon, opposite Uranus in the twelfth, with a square between Mercury and Saturn over the 7th and 10th house axis. So this might be something where a health issue crops up uh, for you, Gemini rising, where there may be a, uh, an injury or an illness that you're dealing with or, or certain habits that could lead to that. 
that that will um, make it necessary for you to release maybe some old habits that aren't good for you. Maybe also the realization that you may be working too hard for somebody in your job life. Like a lot of times Gemini people find themselves having a relationship with a strong other who represents their shadow. And in this case, you this could be through like an authority figure in your job where you're realizing that, man, I've been working a little bit too hard and it's not bringing me joy. Uh, I'm just kind of slaving away at this particular job position, etc. And you might get a little fed up with that. And there might be a conflict about, you know, having to keep grinding versus being able to get the rest that you need. So don't be afraid to advocate for your needs uh, for solitude and rest. Um, if you're hanging on to the, the myth of being useful, this might be a time to just let go of that. Like I know a lot of times people with sixth house placements, they, I've been thinking about what we could glamorize with the sixth house. We might glamorize being able to endure enormous amounts of work that we don't get credit for. <laughs> like the, and, and yes, you might be tough and you might be a great and enduring person, but everyone has their limits. And sometimes you just have to delegate things to somebody else. And you just have to say, this is enough. I, this isn't, I don't have to continue to do this uh, to, to support someone that I don't believe in. Now, Saturn is moving direct in your 10th house. So a lot of the confusion that you're experiencing through your work may start to alleviate as long as you get real about your responsibilities and what you really want in your public life and your public persona. You could be getting some challenging uh, messaging from a partner or from somebody that you work with or like a romantic partner that could bring some difficulty to your public life as well. Uh, Mac says, oh my God, so real. Mac, tell me what's going on. Are you a, are you a Gemini rising? What's going on with you? I'd love to hear how this is manifesting for you. I always love to hear how the stories connect. This is one thing that we're doing in our Deccan Walk is we're sharing our lived experiences in real time. And we've had so many incredible connections with these themes and seeing how they play out in different people's lives. Uh, I am thinking about um, opening up enrollment again in Capricorn season. So if that's been on your radar, I think that's one thing I'm, I'm really heavily considering is opening them up at the cardinal turnings. So if you want to join in on this journey, uh, you might have another opportunity around Capricorn season. And you'll, of course, get the full deck and walk. We'll just have some people coming on at various times and other people jumping off the bus at other times. It might be something that we just continue to do that I think will be uh, educational and fun. Max says, abandoning the myth of being useful was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Oh, good. Oh, good. Uh, no, but the abandoning the myth was central to my first seventh house eclipses in Scorpio and Taurus. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is that is a difficult thing. And this this might be true of like Virgo placements, especially too. Um, you know, really trying to realize that we don't always have to serve everyone else's needs before our own. Uh, and this can be any sign, really. Any sign can get caught in that trap. It doesn't have to be uh, a, a, an earth sign, but sometimes earth signs can be especially susceptible to wanting to be useful. All right. 
So there may be some solace to be taken in the fifth house for you, Gemini rising. You may have a really nice experience just with ways you can seek pleasure out in your life. It could be a really fruitful, creative time. You could have a nice time with your kids if you have them. Uh, this could be something where your creativity is at a peak with Venus moving through Libra in your fifth house. All right. Cancer rising. Heading around the bend. All right, Cancer rising. You have a new moon in your fifth house. And a square between Mercury and Saturn in the 6th to the ninth, And in opposition to Uranus in the 11th. Venus is moving through your fourth house. Giving you a little stuff there. Uh, ooh, Alessandra, you do the deck and walk. You should join us. Send me send me an email if you all are interested in getting in on the the deck and walk. I think, like I said, I'll probably be opening that up prior to Capricorn season. So uh, mid December might be another entry point for that. So keep keep your eyes peeled for that. Sign up for the email list if you want updates on how that's going. And it doesn't matter what. What sign you are, you, you I think we'll we'll be able. We've got all sorts of different risings and suns and moons in that class. It can be, uh, yeah. This one's for you then, Alessandro, with the Cancer rising. So Cancer rising, new moon in the fifth house could be a realization of a way that you seek pleasure in your life that is no longer serving you. There could be something in regards to your children if you have them or children in general. Uh, where you're having to release an illusion of hanging on to something in your past that is just not bringing you vitality anymore. There could be a conflict with a, a friend group that you're a part of or with your social milieu. Uh, earlier in the talk, Alessandra was talking about feeling uh, challenging feelings around the, the, the government in Argentina, if I'm, am I remembering this correctly, Alessandra? No, that was South America, right? Um, where there was some some challenges with authoritarianism coming coming uh, to Latin America and trying to weather that and preserve democracy. So maybe there's some shocks around that happening. Um, but this could also be in just the, your local communities as well. Any Anyone that you share a sense of belief with, there could be feelings of challenge with that Mars-Uranus opposition and then the, Uranus, the opposition with the new moon. Uh, there could be news coming from Mercury in Sagittarius squaring Saturn about work that's on your plate, like some heavy lifting that you might have to do that could feel very heavy spiritually for you, that could help have you challenging your, your long-cherished belief systems. And there could be something from a foreign place that is, is uh, making things difficult as well. Uh, the good news is, is that Venus is moving through your fourth house, blessing you with some some grace within your family, within your domestic situation, maybe with your roots or through your parents or something of that nature. That's where you could find some peace potentially. Um, Michelle says, uh, my son is a cancer rising and has learned about his best friend's mom having cancer as well, who's my best friend. Man, Michelle... You've just been going through it, huh? This is <laughs> a lot going on, friend. Oh, boy. So um, 
Let's see where we would see that. Best friend's mom. Okay, friend's, friend's mom would be, would be the, let's see, that would be the fourth from the third. I'm going to see how this works. This is interesting. So fourth from the third is the sixth house where Mercury is. News, okay, the, the Mercury-Saturn challenge that, that we just saw in your Capricorn rising chart uh, where you were experiencing that with, um, who was it that was, was your sibling that had, that had the similar news? And so now this is happening from the third to the sixth, so the, the, uh, the mom of a friend, the fourth from the third. This is what's called derived houses. Fourth house generally is the, the parents, and we can see that the parents of the third house friend or sibling um, is ex experiencing a similar challenge with the Mercury-Saturn square. So <laughs> this is interesting how astrology can can be so multifaceted and express itself in so many different ways. So hang in there, Cancer Rising. This might be a particularly gnarly new moon for you because the moon is your ascendant ruler and the moon is in its fall in Scorpio. So this is a challenging one for our bodies, right? Uh, this is one where we're, where we're really like, might not be feeling at our best physically uh, because the moon is associated with the body as well. It really is a good opportunity to release things that 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 just um, no longer serve us. And sometimes that just happens. It's not it's not that like in these circumstances where we're talking about friends that have cancer and all these things. Like this isn't anybody's fault. Like this is what I want to also make sure that I'm being clear about is that Uranus in the third decade of Taurus showing us that there are forces that are beyond our control, that there are forces of nature that are beyond our control. Um, does that mean that we can't try to prevent cancers in our life? Yeah, we can, we can try to do as many things as we can. Like we can try to eat right, we can try to reduce our stress levels. But at, on some level, there's, there's just some of these things are in our environments too. And that's very challenging. It's, you know, I saw a post about recently about people bristling at the the language around losing the fight with cancer. And I, I sort of agree with that. You know, sometimes you get treatment for a disease and the disease still consumes you. Um, I'm, I watch this with my, you know, my family members, my grandfather passing from pancreatic cancer and my mom having severe complications from a surgery to remove breast cancer. So sometimes it just isn't a, a fight. You're just like getting treatment and let's not make cancer people, um, let's not victimize them for, for not beating this disease that's very difficult. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, let's take the pressure off of that and maybe start normalizing a different way of talking about it. I think this is what I'm trying to express. Um, and if you are someone who is going through these challenges, just do your best and, and we're, we're here for you, whatever happens. And that's how you can support your friends with this too. Just be there for them. Okay. Oh yeah. Michelle's talking about a friend, a, a friend of mine. Oh, this is the same friend. 
Well, but isn't it interesting, Michelle, like you're, you are experiencing it through a friend, third house, 12th house. And then your son is experiencing as a friend and their mom, third house, sixth house. So similar experience, but but expressed in a different type of relationship that's still seen in this in the charts okay let's keep going leo rising leo oh. well leo risings how are you doing it's been a little bit of a rough go for us isn't it for a lot of people i'm just commiserating because i know about this because i live it Okay, Leo rising, opposition between the 4th and the 10th house, and then a square between the 5th and the 8th house with Mercury and Saturn, and Venus has moved into your 3rd house, so maybe there's some, some good news with neighbors or siblings or people in your immediate environment potentially. But this is a fourth house new moon for you, where you're having to release some attachments uh, within your your home or domestic situation. Uh, there may be some uncomfortable truths that you're coming into knowledge of with a with a career situation. There may be some things in your public life that are shocking. Um, maybe some conflicts where you're getting your ire aroused through a realization through through a public relationship. Excuse me, there's maybe news of something with your either your children or with something that brought you pleasure in the past that is running smack dab into Saturn in the eighth house. So some difficulty with that potentially. Uh, for those of you who missed the beginning of the show, like I was processing the potential of like losing my vehicle that was a gift from my mother 15 years ago and uh, having to deal with the insurance company and whether they were going to give us the money we needed to replace it or not and the possibility of going down to one vehicle. So you could see Saturn in the eighth house could be related to insurance, money of others, um five you know fifth house a vehicle or something of that nature like something that brings you pleasure uh all of those things um so leo rising you know your ascendant ruler is the sun and this is a powerful moment to have to reestablish your roots too with the sun conjoining mars to get a new uh, release old ideas about either your family, your living situation, your roots, um, so that you can be liberated to, to the, the next stage of your, your evolution or what or whatnot, or your experience. Um, Venus, again, could be really helping with your day-to-day -day communications with neighbors, with friends. Right? It's a good time to reach out to friends and get their support around this period of time if you're a Leo rising. Um, keep in mind, Leo rising, too, that Yes, you're going through the challenging crisis times in your in your domestic situation, but the sun's going to move into Sagittarius pretty soon, and uh, that that really oftentimes will increase the the sense of I don't know hope 
that happens for Leo risings because your your ascendant ruler is going to be in a in a positive house and trining the ascendant. So Sagittarius season might be a little bit easier for you. Um, although we will have some squares with Mars and Saturn and Mercury and Saturn and the Sun and Saturn. So not the easiest Sagittarius season, but but oftentimes I find that I get some relief around this period of time as a Leo rising. So hang in there, Leos. You got this. Uh, maintain your integrity, even if you are experiencing uh, the lack of that within people in your milieu. Remember that you are a royal, dignified person, and it is beneath you to stoop to some of the, the tactics that may be used against you if you're having a conflict with somebody. So hold your head high, flip your mane, and stay on the righteous path. <laughs> okay? All right. Let's see, Virgo rising. I'm just checking with the chat here. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I try to share my experiences because um, I, I, I know them, I've lived them, and I, and I can speak on them with, I guess, as much authority as anything, right? And my experience isn't going to be universal for everyone with a Leo rising, but you may be able to see threads of a similar theme in your life coming coming to the fore. Uh, and I think sharing our experiences is the greatest learning um, mechanism. This is why I love the deck and walk so much is it is, we are, we are learning about the, the themes, but we're learning about them and connecting them to lived lives. And that's what our in-person meetups are, are about is sharing our collective stories, collective storytelling, I like to call it. Um, I provide people with the learning materials, the recorded webinars, the, the, the deck and flashcards, the workbooks, the Discord server. Um, but when we come together, we're sharing stories and we're seeing how these are playing out in our lives and we're, we're, we're seeing how uh, it, it can play out in so many different ways, the same aspect, the same themes, but, but through a different lens. It's super cool. Okay, Virgo rising. Virgo rising has a third house new moon. which is opposing Uranus in the ninth. And we're seeing a square between Mercury and Saturn in the fourth to the seventh house. So there could be a new start of letting go of an illusion, of letting go of an old form related to friends, related to siblings, related to your everyday journeys and habits. Um, I, that's what I like to think of the third house as like the little the errands that we run every day the little routines that we have too. Um, I think that there may be some shakeups in the way that you view the world through your belief system. You may be having some, some interesting experiences with places of either higher education or, or religious orthodoxy or, or the law or the legal system. That can be shocks that could come through that as well. There might be some news coming from a family member that could lead to some tough conversations with a partner. Uh, 
there could be something that where you're really forcefully expressing yourself to a parent or like to uh to someone who you share roots with and that could lead to some some sober sober realizations about how you relate to one another um and your ruling planet for your ascendant mercury is going to be in its exile so this is a little bit of a challenging position for mercury although it does have dignity by face so just be careful virgo rising about getting too passionate about your own personal uh, belief system and retain that flexibility that allows you to be the great problem solver that you are uh, during this challenging time. Venus is moving through your second house, so there could be some good news regarding finances and resources potentially, and you may be finding some nice rebalancing in the way that you support yourself. Um, Max says, the self is every astrologer's first and best subject. Absolutely. Yes. And then spoken like a true cancer son, <laughs> right? Well, you know, I, uh, can only, you know, communicate through the lens of my own chart, <laughs> right? We are all multifaceted, but the planets definitely influence our expression and I am no different. Okay, let's move on. Let's, let's, all of you Libra Risings have been so patient. Let's wrap today up with Libra Rising. Libra Rising is having a second house, new moon, opposing Uranus in the eighth house. With the square from Mercury to Saturn, perfecting over the third and the sixth house. I want you to remind all of you, I didn't mention this earlier, but Mercury is going to be moving out of bounds two days after this new moon and as it emerges as as the evening star. Some pretty important messages are going to be happening to us or coming to us in the next week or so. And they may be out of left field a little bit too with Mercury out of bounds. So just be really careful about how you express your own beliefs around this period of time too because a lot of the times when Mercury is in Sagittarius, and especially out of bounds, we tend to close our ears and we just don't want to hear any alternative perspective. And this is a time where we need to resist that impulse and try to get, yeah, you know, try to be as flexible with that as we can. Um, because it can really lead us into trouble sometimes when, when we don't take other viewpoints into account. It can lead to... Uh, you know, I think of like a, t a televangelist or something who, who is like fire and brimstone. I remember like there was this dude at the beginning of the pandemic that he just has an evil face. And he has, I don't remember who this guy is, but I know that I looked up his chart and he had Mercury and Sagittarius and a bunch of weird Sagittarius stuff. And he was like, just blow the disease away. <laughs> and I was just like, look, and I was just like, oh my God, this guy um that was something so of course that's silly and uh it's it's important to um not be so attached to our our one singular point of view that we end up endangering not only ourselves but others by our attachment to it so libra rising second house new moon in scorpio uh three maybe a really powerful new moment for getting clear about 
potential ways that we've been pursuing something that we need to release in regards to our financial health, in regards to things that we put in our mouth, literally, like the second house is sort of like the mouth to the ascendant. So we may be getting clear about some habits around our diet or things like that as well. Venus is moving through your first house, empowering all of your negotiating skills and all of your uh, the, the the skills of a of a domicile Venus, basically, of saying, okay, how do we create consensus? Um, there could be some conflict between how you support yourself and the resources of someone else, like either through an inheritance or through a legal situation, something of that nature that could cause you to, to shift the way that you look at your own resources. Um, you could be having to get some uncomfortable realizations about a legal situation of, after a completion of some sort, like a death, like an inheritance, something like that. Uh, there is a square between Mercury and Saturn over your third and sixth house. So there could be some news from a friend or a sibling that causes some realization and thinking about the responsibilities and the burdens that you are carrying and having some sober moments about all the the weight that you may be carrying on your shoulders, like with a, with a sixth house type of experience. could be a health issue too, where you're you're having to have some tough discussions about health health challenges as well. Okay, well, friends, that is the new moon through the houses. Hopefully that was helpful for you and edifying. Um, thank you so much for all of your thoughts, contributions today. We have two more things to get us through this new moon experience. The first is an I Ching reading. And this I Ching uh, hexagram, ah, it's perfect. It's number 18. Number 18 translates to working on what has been spoiled, remedying, decay, repair, restoration. Sounds pretty Scorpio to me. Um, and there is a changing line which says, remedying the ills caused by the mother. It is not appropriate to be steadfast. So these are patterns and habits of behavior that are something that we have maybe inherited from a family member, from maybe even through our passivity and through our maybe being lax or through ignoring something. Um, it, it encourages us to not use aggressive me measures to remedy a past mistake. Okay. So this is encouraging us to really think clearly before we like take an uh, strong action because it might have an effect on other people in our lives and we might not be considering the ramifications. So here's an example. Let's say you have a conflict that's very Mars Uranus. You feel really frustrated about uh, the shattering of an illusion that you held very tightly, whether it's about a job or a relationship, uh, a habit, etc. And you want to take immediate action where you're like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm tired of this illusion. I'm tired of this person. I'm tired of this relationship, tired of this job, etc. All of this where you like just you're in a fervor. And it causes you to take an action that is, is unconsidered, which could have collateral damage for the people in your life, including yourself. 
So it encourages us to slow down. Um, encourages us to to consider all the ramifications of our actions. Um, it is something where a change might be necessary. We might need to let go, but we need to do it consciously. Maybe there's a conscious uncoupling. Maybe there's something where you have to consider parts of a relationship that need to be changed without completely taking a a, a sledgehammer to the entire relationship. Something like that. Um, thank you, Michelle, for ch hanging out with us today. Um, we'll see you the next time, too, and hang in there with all of the things going on in your life and, and healing to all of your, your friends and family as well. So important during this lunation cycle, take a deep breath. Yes, change might be necessary. Try not to make decisions rashly. Try to make decisions from that very objective Venus and Libra perspective where you're weighing both sides of an issue. Try not to let your ire get raised too much. And that leads to the hexagram number 52, which is called keeping still. It's related to the mountain, restraint, being quiet, attaining inner peace, enduring, taking one day at a time. I get keeping still a lot because oftentimes when I get upset, I get really worked up. The Leo fire in me just starts to get really blustery and starts to roar and get really worked up sometimes. And then I have to kind of calm down, realize that there are larger cycles that's at place or at play. And when we are able to settle the, the muddied waters, we can make a decision based on clarity versus making a decision versus uh, that is from the water that is stirred up, the silt that is stirred up. When you allow the, think of the emotions as a, as a, as a stream, a creek. And let's say life has thrown you a large boulder into that stream and you're trying to uh, discern where your next uh, step should be or, or maybe you lost something in the stream and you're trying to find it. And you're not going to be able to find it after that large boulder has muddied the stream. You're going to have to let things settle and calm down first so that you can see clearly where you should reach, where the, where the next step might be. And that's really important as we move forward through these aspects is how can you allow the emotions, the stream of emotions to settle so that you can make a decision based on clarity rather than based on darkness and based on rashness. Because you might be inspired to take a rash action. But again, Taurus 3 talks about releasing the need to, to make a rash action, of repenting from rashness. Eight was one of the figures in Taurus 3 that the Littai were offering up repentant prayers in the wake of eight stepping on, uh, eight translates to ruin and through rashness. Um, and it said that the eight would step on people's heads to get where they were going. So we may have taken action and rashness that will allow that will necessitate repentance in the in the future. So you can alleviate the need for that by slowing yourself down and taking a time out and taking a deep breath. So the animal I got for you today, friends, was perfect. Uh, it was the duck, and the duck is a an animal that symbolizes home, family change, peace. It is a very strong nesting instinct. It's very protective, but it's very adaptable. 
And the duck is an animal that uh, challenges us to find a better way to handle our stress. Remember that phrase, like water off a duck's back. So this is something where we have to find our peace within the chaos situations. We have to be flexible and adaptable to the changes that are happening. Keep in mind, friends, that some of the changes are not necessarily your fault. Like there's, there's, there could have been nothing you could have done to prevent this. Um, if we have an accident in your life, if Mars is a planet that brings misfortune, that's not necessarily your fault. Uh, so when we're dealing with those challenges, it's important not to blame others. It's important not to blame yourself. There's been a really beautiful reel circulating from Mr. Rogers, who uh, I take no no qualms about uh, being inspired by him and his energy. I shared this in my stories, and I've seen it shared in other forums recently, where they're talking about um, you know being kind to yourself and and not being violent with yourself and 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 that can lead to being kinder to others and we've talked about this on this channel be kind to others and be kind to yourself it's really it's hard to do but it's great advice so duck will help you get out of that sticky situation um sometimes when a duck feels threatened it just leaves a situation and that might be the the healthiest thing instead of going to battle with someone you disagree with that that you know that it just isn't the right situation for you anymore which Sometimes relationships and situations, you outgrow them. And, and sometimes it's important just to, to move on without making some sort of big, elaborate display. So let go of those stuck emotions. Try not to hold a grudge. Um, remember that when you're holding on to anger and you're holding on to resentment, you're, you're creating internal damage inside your own body too. And when you let go of that, you'd be amazed at how the situations in your life start to alleviate as well, how the, the silt in your life starts to settle and you become clear. Um, meditation is a really great way to, to do this as well. Uh, just taking a few moments out of your day, going for a walk, anything can be a meditation, as long as you're finding stillness, like the mountain hexagram that we got. So my friends, that is what I have for you today. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for all your wonderful comments. Do me a huge favor, please like the video if you haven't already. Please subscribe to the channel if you're new here and subscribe to the newsletters, both my own and Third Coast Mojo of my partner, Tanya Andrews. And um, if, you're, if you're inspired to make a donation after the fact, you can buy me a coffee at buymecoffee.com. And I would love to see more of you uh, for, for personal readings. I love working with all of you and getting to know you more personally and, and helping uh, be of service in that regard as well. All right, my friends. Hang in there. Relax this weekend. Think things through. There might be something that comes up, but, but take your time through it. Try to get some space from it. And um, that should lead you to acting from your higher self rather than from your more base instincts. Remember, there's two parts of Scorpio. There is the scorpion that is more of that base instinct. And then there's also the symbol of the eagle being able to rise above some of those mundane concerns and seeing things from a higher perspective. And that might be something to think about as we move forward this week, too. All right, my friends, that's what I've got for you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week, I think, again. And uh, be kind to yourself. Be kind to one another, and uh, we'll get through it together. Take care, friends. Peace.